This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Good afternoon, if you love your boxing and MMA, this is the show for you. Find an extra with myself, Adi Oladipo, and the great Gareth A. Davis. Today, myself and Gareth will unpack a thrilling and quite shocking night in Riyadh as Tyson Fury, the lineal heavyweight champion of the world, scraped past Francis Ngannou, a man making his professional boxing debut at the age of 37. We'll discuss what the result means for both men. Fury does look set to fight Alexander Usyk, but nobody seems to know when anymore. Uh, meanwhile, Francis Ngannou has reportedly been given a ranking in the WBC top 10 heavyweight it's ridiculous is he now in line for another mega fight I think so we'll also look at some of the other action on this coming weekend Joe Cordina defending his IBF super featherweight title against Eduard Vasquez look loads to go through as always this is Final Extra on TalkSport 2 We've had a split decision, a 95-94 in Garnu, a 96-93 Fury, and a 95-94 Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury wins via a split decision. There are boos ringing around the arena. Tyson had a bit of an off night. Tyson landed more, and in my eyes, landed more, and I thought he won it by a couple of rounds. And the facts of the matter is, is that the scorecard was given to Tyson Fury. There were lots of people that were suggesting that fight I looked at it from what my opinion is worth and I make a case for a draw. They said he's going to go and smash him in one or two rounds and, and end it. You don't get paid for overtime and all that nonsense. And he's gone in there, he's struggled to find his range, he's got flattened and then he's, he's had 10 rounds of a, an absolute night in there. Are you saying that you didn't underestimate Francis at all? No, nope. didn't underestimate him. I trained for 12 weeks, give it the best uh, preparation I could have done and that's it. I think that was nearly, no it wasn't nearly, it was, de it was definitely one of boxing's most embarrassing moments that, the weekend. Mm. Wow, the observations have been damning. They have been damning. Let's welcome in the great Gareth A. Davis. Gareth, I want to do this in sections because I feel like there is so much to unpack from our time in Saudi Arabia. We're both there. I do want to discuss just the event itself and being in Saudi. Again, I thought it was incredible. I've spoken to so many people and I said, look, my time in Riyadh was exceptional. No complaints whatsoever. The hospitality, the food, I thought the event was unlike anything I've ever seen. And that's across all sports I've been to. I've been to the Super Bowl. You know, I've been to Champions League finals, FA Cup finals. I've, I've, I've watched England games. I thought it was just top of the tree. 
what's your take on it? You were there a few days before me. What was the whole week like for you? Well, I've got to give my top line. As an old school journalist, I've got to give my top line, first of all, Addy, which is I've never been to an event where someone lost, but they shocked the world. And I've got to say that, okay? Um, because Francis Ngannou lost on points, but he really did shock the world, and he was amazing. And I was living, to, to segue into the week, I was living in the same apartment residences as him, as I told you. Um, and I met his mother and his sister on Sunday morning, and they were dancing to Francis et Gagné um, outside the, the hotel. It's on my Battle of the Baddest podcast. I was having a little boogie down with mama and sister, uh, his youngest sister. I met all the family. I, I, I met, um, they were an extraordinary group of people, first of all. That's where I was camped for most of the week. I, we ran into each other several times. I've never been to a boxing event as big. I've got to be honest about this. It's, it was bigger than Vegas ever is. Uh, or has been, and I've been some pretty big fights in my time, all the way through the careers of the end of Lennox Lewis, Nassim Hamid, um, um, Ricky Hatton, Joe Calzaghe, Carl Froch, Amir Khan, Tyson Fury, to name the top line of fighters. And this is bigger, Anthony Joshua as well, by the way. Um, this was bigger overall during the week than any event I've ever covered or been involved in other than, I'd say, in Olympic or Paralympic Games. Um, it had that feel about it from, from day one. I mean, I was out there Sunday to Monday, um, eight days, and I've got to say the warmth and the hospitality, um, the desire to reach out, um, the, the, the effort and planning that had gone into it, two arenas, by the way, for the night, um, the undercard in one arena and the main event in another. Who'd have thought you'd go to one arena for one fight um, made in 90 or 60 days, a 30-odd thousand-seater uh, arena, that a stadium, the Kingdom Stadium, that's going to become a football ground. Um, I've, I, I just, I was blown away. I, I was blown away by the youthfulness of the country. Uh, I mean, I, I, I delved into the culture, as I always do. I sat in a Bedouin tent at one point uh, and thought about the tribes that came together nearly 300 years ago. I was fortunate enough, fortunate, fortunate enough to go to the career highlight dinner of my life, not as a working media guy, but as a guest. I mean, I mean I'm a bit blown away by saying this. As a guest who was invited to be in a photograph with all the legends of boxing and MMA who I've interviewed in my entire career. I mean, and beyond. I mean, I've interviewed Larry Holmes, who was there as well. He was before my time covering the sport, but I, I, I am a bit speechless about it. I had many emotions during the week. I, 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 if heavyweight boxing and big time boxing is on its way to Saudi Arabia and they do it like this the whole time, I think, we're on the way to turning around where boxing has been and on the way to, to heading where it might be. And obviously with, you know, just almost a few hours ago with it being announced that Saudi Arabia, have, that you're across, of course, has, has got the World Cup in 2034. If we've got boxing there for the next 10 years as well as this grows, oh my word, Mr. Addy, Oladipo, I do not mind going there five or six times a year, like I used to to Vegas, 
for the very big events. I don't know what your take on is that. No, I'm so happy you're saying this. And some people might be listening and thinking, calm down, Eddie, calm down, Gareth. No, we won't calm down because it was that good. It was that sensational. I mean, I'm walking around and Sugar Ray Leonard's to my left and I'm... Conor McGregor's to my right and Israel Adesanya and I'm seeing footballers, superstar, R9, Ronaldo. Like, no stuff. Like, every single thing that they had fought had come together. It's almost like someone had watched the best of every single event for the last 15 years and said, we'll take that, 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 that and make it our own Super Bowl event. And I'm with you. If there's events there four or five times a year, I'm I'm living there. I'm moving over there and I'm staying there and I'm doing the events because it was the greatest thing I've ever experienced ever. Like, I never <laughs> thought, sorry, Gary, yeah. I never thought the two ring thing would work. When I heard about it, I was like, this is silly. But it worked. It almost worked. Okay, that's the undercar. That's that done. Let's move on now to the main event. And when when the ring came from the ground, I was like, okay, this is just ridiculous now. This is this is now. It was, it was Rocky Four-esque when Dolph Lundgren was waiting in the ring for Apollo Creed. It was like that. Absolutely. I mean, I've experienced um, the 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 cage being a ring at Bellator before with uh, to the strains of Wagner. Um, and that's extraordinary. But this was just unreal. Well, um, I mean, two other personal highlights of the week, by the way. And one one was a bit of a faux pas by me. In, in, in the hotel uh, over lunch one day, I met these two chaps. I was chatting to them. And they, they were from Spain. And I was chatting away and um, having a great time. And they, they said they were fight fans. They'd been invited out by the Saudi Arabians, the the General Entertainment um, Authority by His Excellency Turkey Al Sheikh, and, um, and so the, you know, I said to this guy in the end, this Spanish chap, I said, "What do you do?" He said, "Oh, I used to play football." And I said, "Oh, who for?" And he said, "Oh, Real Madrid with with um, with David Beckham." And I said, "Oh, what's your name?" He said, "Guti," and uh, I, I I didn't know who Guti was. To be honest. <laughs> That's and, how and, crazy it is. That's how many stars we, were there. No, no, but we became mates and we exchanged numbers and followed each other on Instagram. He was such a good guy. And I said, I'm really sorry. I didn't know who you were. Who you were. And um, and he said, it's fine. It did me a favor because most people know who I am because obviously he was in that Galacticos team with, with Ronaldo and Zidane and all those guys. And another one, I had the privilege of going to dinner with Mike Tyson and his family um, and sitting with his son, Amir Tyson, um, uh, Amir um, Tyson, who's a fantastic young man. And I had two, um, I've got to say, utterly memorable conversations with Mike Tyson, one at the gala dinner and one over dinner. And I'll never forget them. And, um, you know, he's an inspirational person, Mike Tyson and someone we need to treasure and look after from our sport because his story of transformation is one of the greatest on earth. Think about it, you know, how wild he was as a man, as a, as a fighter, and what he's become. And I thought he was um, incredibly magnanimous on the day that John Fury took to him at the press conference. And, and I think he made some interesting and intriguing input into Francis Ngannou's camp. And some of the credits... Obviously, Dewey Cooper, the main trainer, John Bomber, uh, deserve huge credit for Nagano's um, achievements against Fury. But also, Mike Tyson, I think, gave him a lot of self-belief. Chatting to Mike um, was another career highlight because, as you just said, Eddie, they managed to amass an Olympic Games for a heavyweight fight. And they brought together... I mean, one day, I couldn't get a lift. After the, the weigh-ins... 
I couldn't get a lift because you know how to get into the into the compound where it was. It wasn't open to the public. It was like an Olympic Games, the pass. And I jumped in a car with Randy Couture, Chuck Liddell and Junior Dos Santos and Randy's wife. And obviously I know all of them and I've interviewed them and worked with them before. But it was just so amazing to sit in a car with them and just chat for half an hour on our way back out of it. It just went on and on and on. And that's just stuff per, in the periphery. And I'm not talking about going out and enjoying shisha and talking to the general public and going to corner stores and people asking why you were there and who you were and you were so welcome. I could go on and on and on. No, I, and I fully understand. And that's why I knew this was going to be a proper debrief because uh, th there is so much to unpack from what was an amazing week out there. I mean, Amir Tyson was actually on the broadcast with me for DAZN. We we did the worldwide rights and just... It was funny because I kept on bothering him and telling him that your dad's the most famous man on planet Earth. And, I mean, even he spoke about the story of sort of his dad then and his dad now. And it's intriguing, actually. You look at the three faces that made up this main event. So you have got Mike Tyson, you've got Francis Ngannou, and you've got Tyson Fury. And you think of all their stories and how they've all overcome so much. Ngannou, who was homeless 10 years ago, um... Tyson Fury, we know about the suicide issue and depression and drugs, and we will know Mike Tyson again. Like, honestly, if you were to have told me 20 years ago that Mike Tyson would be alive today, I would have said you're crazy because he was spiraling out of control. And look at them all now, and it's, it's just such a success story. And it kind of, again, it kind of goes to the broader success of Saudi now. And look, there'll still be some people that, and rightly so, will question events going to Saudi, but they're trying to change the image of it. And uh, I think me and you are lucky that we see the change happening and we're fortunate enough to be working in the change as well. All right, you're listening to Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we are going to talk about what next for Francis Ngannou, who's a former UFC champ set for a, a run in boxing, I think he is. And we'll discuss a title defence for Joe Cordina this weekend too. But obviously up next, we're going to talk about the Gypsy King, Tyson Fury. What caused him to miss fire on Saturday night? And now because of that, when will we see him in the ring against Alexander Usyk? Tyson Fury saying in an interview, saying, see you next year, guys, have a great Christmas, etc., etc." Well, if you remember in the build-up, Tyson Fury was saying, listen, Alexander Rusik, we've signed the contracts, December the 23rd, if you don't fight on December the 23rd, I'll see you in court. What happens now? If the fight is going to happen during Riyadh season, as Frank has regularly said, it doesn't really matter that we get stuck up on dates. And that'll be a different fight because Tyson knows Usyk. There's plenty of footage of Usyk and Usyk was ringside. And he maybe he may have thought he's seen some chinks in Tyson's armour that he can exploit. Well, it's not something that we agreed for, but if he's really injured, and what can we do? It's a huge blow for that fight because obviously everyone says, well, Francis Ngannou should get his ring. So let's just get this straight. In April, when all the negotiations were going on and we're talking about 70-30 splits and rematch clauses, this, that and the other, when there wasn't a big bag of money on the table, we get social media roadblocks and we don't get a fight. However, now, when there's a big bag of dough on the table, we get social media silence and the fight ends up getting made. It is what it is. And that fight will take place. Yeah, well, let's hope it takes place. Still not convinced it will take place um, anytime soon. But look, I mean, Alexander Usyk was in the ring. Although, although I will say this though, and this is like knowledge that's out there. That Tyson Fury didn't want him in the ring, by the way. That's a fact. Alexander Usyk got in the ring. I think it was His Royal Highness that said, "Get in the ring." He got in the ring. Um, before we unpack all that, Gareth, uh, Tyson Fury's performance um, on the night. Um, what, what did you make 
of it? I mean, I think me and you both have Tyson Fury winning the fight by a couple of rounds, but what did you make of the performance of Tyson Fury in there against a, a novice boxer in Ngannou? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll put the record straight. I, I had Fury by a round. He needed to win that last round for me to win it. I was, I mean, there were some very close rounds now. On the eye test, if you weren't scoring it, I completely understand why people think Francis Ngannou won. He knocked Fury down in the third round um, with a glancing left hook, and he also took it to Fury in the most vicious manner in the eighth round. And I thought he was spectacular in that round. And that's, for me... Um, for, for many people, I understand why they felt he won the fight. And I understand why one of the judges scored that for him. Because if you liked what Nagani was doing, you could score the fight for him. In technical boxing terms, I, I thought Fury won it by the skin of his teeth. Um, he looked bullied and beaten up in there at times. And I think that's why he was in recovery almost in that moment when uh, he and Alexander Usyk faced off. It was a very bizarre kind of face-off, like there was a vacuum between them both. I think Fury was was not himself afterwards. Obviously, he had taken a lot of shots from Nagano. Um, I said it to you in the build-up. I said it to everyone in the build-up. I wish some of my colleagues had not called it an exhibition bout because it wasn't and it never was. It was never designed to be. Have you ever stood next to Francis Nagano, Addy? He is a huge man. I've been around him all week and I've met him before. He is a huge individual with an amazing life story of survival and redemption. Um, he has um, dreams on his side. He's already beaten so many things in life. He's already a winner. He had nothing to lose. He had a brilliant preparation team behind him with, the, with Dewey Cooper and John Bombo and Mike Tyson, as I said in the first section. He believed he could do something special. He lost on points, but he caused one of the biggest shocks ever in heavyweight combat sports not just in boxing not in mma but in all combat sports um what how do i see it i said it to you before the bout because this is what i said consistently do not write the guy off he's got 10 minutes i thought fury would win from round four five six around that period but for 10 minutes, I believed that Francis Ngannou was very dangerous for Tyson Fury. I'd spoken to numerous people doing 10 podcasts specifically on this fight in the build-up. And so many people said to me, you had to give him a chance early. And I agreed with that. First 10 minutes, he was going to be dangerous. And as he proved in the eighth minute, he changed the course of the fight and he changed the course of history. His own history and how people will see the history of Tyson Fury and the heavyweight division. This is a game-changing moment for many, many other mixed martial artists who, can, who are notably strikers. I think Fury tried several times afterwards to try and get himself back into the fight, but Nagano was like a rock. He was immovable by this point. He had the full self-belief that he knew he could floor Fury. And even though a couple of times he was under pressure and his mouth would open and he would fatigue, he found success. He was brilliant from the southpaw stance when he switched. Fury could never have anticipated that because there was very little footage out there of his boxing. Um, they put out some clever viral stuff where he didn't look very good. And as Dewey Cooper told me, that very bad one was at the end of a two-hour session that they, someone came in and finally recorded him and he was exhausted. Do you remember those really slow punches that made him look awful? He took his moment. And I think psychologically, 
Uh, Tyson Fury probably underestimated him. It's the worst performance I've seen by Fury for a very, very long time. Um, it will have sharpened him. Only the fact that he's a great boxer in the pinnacle of his career did he manage to get through that fight against, yes, he's a novice in boxing skills, but he's not a novice as a 37-year-old striker with incredible power, with incredible DNA uh, from Cameroon, who's been through so much. Yeah, that, that's, it was... all, that's all good, Gareth, but that's it's it's embarrassing from Fury, this. Uh, it's embarrassing. I know what you just said. It was his worst moment in the ring. No, but even, uh, even if it was his worst, it's embarrassing. He's fighting someone that's never, ever boxed in his life. Yeah, in a but, professional but it ring, it, like yeah. how Fury didn't even make adjustments in order to get that job done. I'm, I'm still, yeah, I'm he, still astounded kid, by it. Addy, 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 hang on. The key is the fight changed course in the eighth minute. Someone knocks you down and shocks you. You're trying to get back, and every time he tried to get back, and and Garnu found a way. Yeah, but, yeah, but you said you said he, he made a difference in the eighth minute. So that was the third round. It was a ten round fight. He still got seven rounds to do something. Yeah, but he, seven he rounds against them. someone it, that's it, never boxed him. before. It took something out of him. It took something but out we've of seen, him. We've seen him hit by Wilder and get completely knocked down and get up and yeah. still make the adjustments against a boxer. Yeah. Well, no, you could you could argue that Wilder doesn't have great skills as well. And you could argue that Naganu just kept his shape and tried to walk him down. Fury was totally off colour on the night. Lack of timing, 11th month absent, probably didn't take him seriously, had half an eye on Usyk. And all these factors play into the, the poorest performance we've seen him in. People have poor nights. I, team. I, I almost feel like we're being kind to Fury here. I think it was no, just... No, what's kind about it? I think because I almost feel like... I, 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 like you know, when you said it was it was it was the biggest upset or could have been the biggest upset in combat, I, yeah. I, would, I would go as far as say sports. I'd go, I'd, I'd make it, I'd make it even bigger. Like, like this is. I a... didn't see it as an exhibition. I saw him as a massive favorite, but I always thought Naganu was dangerous. I gave Naganu absolutely. No, I get. I think I gave him zero percent chance. Yeah, but so that shows how wrong you are about. No, no, fights. no, no. It's no, it doesn't because no one that's never boxed before should beat the lineal or get close to beating the lineal no, no, heavyweight you're champion, wrong. the best heavyweight of this generation. You're wrong, you're wrong, Addy. Addy no, I'm not. I'm right. Hence, why everyone's gone crazy about it. If I was wrong, there would be no outcry about the result. Everyone's gone mad, which suggests that it's right. Like no one. If if I was wrong, everyone would be like, "Ah, oh, see, I told you so," and it would be like. They wouldn't even trend. The fact that the world has gone crazy about this suggests that this wasn't supposed to happen. That's why it would have been the biggest upset that we've ever seen in combat sports. Do we not say to expect the unexpected in fight sports? No. Not when not boxer yes, versus do. boxer, yeah. yes. No, no, no. Not someone from a completely different discipline to boxing. No, we don't. I we thought Nagano I thought Naganu showed a lot of shape and a lot of skills in this fight, and he looked good in the Southpaw stance as well. I could not believe how good he was in the Southpaw stance. I can't believe how bad Fury was either on the night, but he was, and it's a mm. fact. And people don't always perform, you know. It, it, it happened, and so it it did prove that that it wasn't it wasn't a joke fight. It wasn't a carnival fight. Naganu is a six foot five, twenty stone fighter. Yeah, who always wanted to be a boxer. And he didn't outbox Fury, but he bullied him. 
He hit him. He hurt him. And Fury wasn't there on the night. And the fact he is a great boxer compared to Naganu just got him through. It happened. It's a fight. You know, and that's what happened. Strange things happen in fights. And that is what happened on the night. How else can you explain it? Other than Fury underestimating Francis Ngannou. He didn't deliberately go out there to be hit and hurt by, by Ngannou. And, and his style didn't work against him. It, it, it is what it is, you know? It doesn't, it doesn't mean that boxing's ruined. The story is even more magnificent in my view. And it, and and... For me, if we want to say it now, I think there's there is a bit of a reason for Fury to recover, and uh, you might not like this, and even prove it against Nagano first before he fights Usyk. No, I agree. I agree. I, I I said it on my 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 YouTube channel today. Actually, I said, look, although we saw Usyk and Fury square up in the ring, and again, you could clearly see that Fury wasn't really in the mind frame to do it. I said that Fury should want to right the wrong. Although we got the W, I think we all understand that there is a. Uh, this, this cloud now uh, over Fury's head where I think Fury should say, you know what, I want Ngannou next. That, that's kind of what I want to do. I want Ngannou next. But look, let's hear from uh, Tyson Fury's promoter, Frank Warren. This is what he had to say when asked, will we see Fury versus Usyk next? Yes, we are going to see it. And it'll be on in the new year and the date will be announced uh, in the next few weeks. It, it, Tyson wanted a fight on the 20th, but he won't be ready. That was a a tough fight for him. He had a couple of bumps and bruises. He's been in camp for 12 weeks and he can't be expected to go straight into a camp having been in that type of fight. It was a much tougher fight than any of us expected it to be. Um, and it, but it will go on and it will go on when he's 100% right and that will be very early next year. It was always going to be a risk, I think. And I said this, like Fury would have to have wiped the floor with Nganu have a couple of weeks off then get straight back into camp and it's a different type of camp for Alexander Usyk but that we have to point to the fact that Fury did say four or five days before that fight if, he, if Usyk doesn't fight on the 23rd of December he's going to sue him because he signed a contract and all of a sudden Usyk's ready and now it's Fury that won't be ready until sometime in the new year Gareth yeah so sorry I, I just my my hearing went for that very early bit of Frank Warren he didn't say that Fury fight Nagano next, it would be Usyk next, but in the new year. He yeah? did say it, yes, correct, yeah. Yeah, so, because I saw Frank on the morning afters, and that's that um, concurs with what he was telling me at the time, um, even though we both think we wouldn't write off a Nagano fight next for him. Um, I was with Usyk on Sunday evening, and he was very disappointed for Tyson Fury, believe it or not, um, because he does want that fight. He was totally prepared to do it on December the 23rd. He was very disappointed in the way Fury started that fight. He said, I didn't like the look of him. Um, you know, kind of, he said like a horse, mm. like a prancing horse in there in those first two rounds. Why didn't he just go for Naganu and put him under the cosh? Which I think is, which is what Fury would do if they met again. He'd have to, frankly, and put it on him and just make sure that he put him in his box and didn't allow him out of it. Um, I don't see how you can sue someone if, they've got, if they're carrying injuries. Fury took, if he's got genuine injuries and it goes into January, I don't mind anyway, because a lot of us, I'd love to have done it on December the 23rd, don't get me wrong, and, and had the fight then. But if, if there are injuries and if there isn't uh, the time to sell it, and you know yourself, when we were out there last week, Anyone you asked when the fight was going to happen, we were being assured by so many people um, that, you know what, there's genuinely an appetite 
to do it on December the 23rd. But I suppose, um, what is it, eight weeks um, between the two dates? Yeah. Well, if Fury can get well enough in that time, maybe we should do it December the 23rd, or they should do it December the 23rd. I think still think it's a great date for it because people were anticipating it. But I suspect, Daddy, it won't be till early January. If not, um, it has to be because Ramadan comes in February, doesn't it? It does. What's the biggest pay-per-view fight here? So in terms of just numbers, so not what fighters are going to get paid, just in terms of eyeballs on the event, Fury in Garnu 2, Fury Usyk or AJ in Garnu? Oh, you naughty man. That's yes, a really hard question. Can we think about it in the break and I'll give you my answer? Fair. After. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. We'll give you yeah. a couple of minutes to we think need about to think. it. We need to think. All right, cool. You're listening to Find Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we are going to talk a title defence for Joe Cordina this weekend. He takes on Edward Vasquez in Monte Carlo. Next up, though, we are going to talk Francis Ngarno. Has the former UFC champion established himself now amongst the top-ranking heavyweights? Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I was just thinking, for me, it's about how, how well Francis and Gannon done. That's all I'm thinking about. He just didn't get reckless. He, he maintained his composure all the way through, and I think that was quite unsettling for Francis. I wanted the victory. The proof wasn't just to, like, come here and box and go home. was to win, you know? That W is always sweet. I'd give him one or two more fights at a sort of top 10, top 15 level. Put him, put him in there with someone like, you know, like a Derek Chisora. Yeah. Or even yeah. A, or a Dillian White, that sort of level. And then have a crack at the big one. Francis Ngannou has got one opportunity at the big time of boxing. I personally think he's just announced himself. And, and I feel a bit for him because for everyone saying, wow, you gained our respect, you did this. If he wins that fight, yeah. that goes down in the history of not just boxing, but sport. It's true, it's true. Well said there by Eddie Hearn uh, at the end there. You're listening to Find Extra on TalkSport 2. Adi Lodipo, uh, the great Gareth A. Davis. Uh, let's continue to unpack what we witnessed in Saudi Arabia on the weekend. The true success story of this is obviously Francis Ngannou. I mean, it's not just the success story of where he's come from and what he's had to battle through life. It's it's the success story of going back and forth with, with Dana White and people laughing at him for not taking the contract on offer at the time. Him then gambling 
himself saying, OK, no, I can get something. He got something on the weekend. It didn't quite go his way in the ring, but let's be honest, he is now the winner, really, because his next fight, I mean, he can just write a number down on the check. He's going to get paid, Gareth. He's not aligned to anyone. He hasn't got a contract of a broadcaster. He is literally up for grabs by anyone, and I think they're going to pay big money to see him in the ring against anyone next. Well, on Sunday night, I saw Francis as well. Um, and... You asked me which, the big, which is the biggest pay-per-view, which is the biggest draw out of the three fights. Um, Fury and Usyk next. Fury and Nagano rematch. Yeah. Or actually Joshua and Nagano. Oh, okay. Go on. You've had time to think. What are you thinking? Well, I'm still mulling. I might... Uh, do it. <laughs> yeah, still mulling. Uh, my, plan, my plan, my cunning plan is to tell you after the next break. So, um, but the, your, the point you made and which everyone makes is, here's what I think. If Fury and Usyk doesn't happen on December the twenty third, we could see um, we could see Naganu headline, couldn't we, against somebody, um, a Deontay Wilder or an Anthony Joshua? That could happen. No, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So if you want to put an event on on December the twenty third, why not do that? Um, I think. Francis Ngannou against Deontay Wilder or Francis Ngannou against Anthony Joshua are mega events. Mm. And, um, you know, obviously Eddie Hearn is now in the frame with Joshua. He's pushing him towards that direction. Um, as you say, as all those commentators said, you know, Ngannou's come into the limelight now. So the, the, the dust is settling on what the hell happened with Tyson Fury. And, the, and the, the, the magic dust is rising on what you do with Nagano. True. He clearly, I think, installed at number 10 today by the World Boxing Council. Yeah, yeah. I think it is. I think that's, yeah. Was it a top 10 or top 15? It was either one of those two. I can't remember if it was a top, top 10. Top, top 10 or top 15. Wow, top 10. Jeez. Well, I, in a way, if you, if you perform like that against the lineal heavyweight champion um, and you know, you, you prove something. The, in, these, in this day and age, you know, the, that's what it's, I mean, we've always said this, it's the wild west of boxing. I mean, one of my colleagues there was hinting that, God, give him a chance at the title if he wins another one. Yeah, because at the end of the day, um, he probably deserves it. I, I, I think, um, you know, Derek Chisora against him would be an incredible fight, but I think the guy who wins it, I'd put him even higher than that. I'd put him in with the, uh, as I say, with with even with Usyk, by the way. I don't want to say against Usyk because Usyk holds three of the belts and he deserves an undisputed title, in my view. I'd like to see Usyk get that next because he's gone the tough route over the over the last year. But uh, yeah, Nagano, um, I, I just think like it's 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 a genuine. His story is. I was talking to. Um, one of the Saudi Arabians about this earlier. I mean, they were so enthusiastic about the fight. They loved the knockouts, by the way, all the young Saudi fans, didn't they, in, in the arenas. Mm. Um, they really got into it. They're learning to be noisy fans, were saying, and it's so true, this Francis Ngannou, apart from all the other stories, it's like, it almost is better than a movie because it's like the genuine Rocky Balboa story where he makes his way into boxing and goes there and literally wins the world title just from his dream. Um, and that's where he sits right now. I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't have enough superlatives 
to actually say how great his achievement was on Saturday night, Eddie. No, it's, it's an incredible one because you, you also think, okay, maybe the magnitude of the event might just be a bit too big for him. I know he's had some big UFC fights, but I think he won the he won the title against Stipe behind closed doors. If I I think it was during COVID, so he's not had that big, massive. Even the Cyril Garn fight wasn't wasn't huge. So I thought maybe the magnitude of this might be a bit too much for him. But no, it wasn't. You know where they messed up very quickly. The Saudis ticked every single box throughout the week. But the one thing that really just annoyed me was when Tyson Fury walked out and he started spudding all the boxers on the way out. Everyone was there, Barrera, Marquez, everyone was there, Hatton, everyone, Prince Nassim, they're all giving him sort of spuds on the way to the ring, like you're doing this for boxing. I can't believe they didn't line up all the UFC fighters, the former UFC fighters, and letting Garnu walk through all of them as well. Because there were so many there. So many. No, I didn't like it. I, it reminded me of Anthony Joshua coming out at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and glad-handing everyone on the way to being beaten by Usyk the first time. No, Anthony I, Joshua was glad-handing fans. These are former fighters. I, I know, but I, I didn't... I, 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 at that point, at that point, I, this is just my view. Yeah. I just wanted to see him really focused and walking to the ring. Mm, okay, fair, fair. Nothing more than that. Nothing more than that. No, fair. I'm very quickly on this, because we haven't touched on the undercard. And it was such um, a good undercard, wasn't it? I mean, I feel like some of the performances have been overshadowed because of what happened in the main event, and rightly so. But, I mean, let's start with Martin Bacoli and the beating he put on Carlos Takam. I've not seen anyone put a beating on Takam like that ever. I know Joe Joyce stopped him, but that was, you know, it was a bit of a war. He was landed on Joe Joyce. I think we'd done that fight together for Talk Sport. Bovetkin knocked him out, but that was after a few rounds. Bacoli, from round two, beat him up. Yeah. I mean, you don't often see this with Bacoli, but when he did his workouts... He has got thighs like four bowling balls, hasn't he, on each leg. And you don't see it with the long shorts. He is so powerful. We've often talked about he's the guy in the No One Wants Me club in the heavyweight division in yeah. the top 10, 15 rankings. He's a very difficult foe. It's whispered in boxing circles. He's with um, with um, Billy Nelson. Mm -hmm. Do I mean Billy Nelson? Yes, I do. It is, it is Billy Nelson, yeah. Who's been around many years? How I'm tired still. Um, Billy Nelson, who's a fantastic trainer, going back to the days of Ricky Burns and all those guys, he really knows his onions. He's a great trainer, and he keeps pointing his finger at me and saying, "You wait, you wait. Martin will prove it. He's one of the dark horses in the division who's going to go on and potentially win a world title. Come out of the shadows in the next two or three years, in my view." Agreed. Another avoided fighter is Arslan Mac Mahmoudov, yeah. and you could understand why. I mean, he is the scariest looking heavyweight I think I've ever seen, and I put value in there with that as well. It's just so mean. Obviously, unbeaten knocked out everyone apart from Carlos Takam that he's faced, got another win against a late replacement in Anthony Wright, who just looks so undersized. But again, they're going to find it difficult to match him as well. Well, they, they, they'll move him on quickly. I mean, again, I've got to know Arslan Beck a little bit. Like you say, he's a powerhouse. He doesn't sit back. He's, I think he's 35 already. He's a giant of a man, mm. six foot five. I call him the Russian tank. Um, he's obviously based in Canada with the same team that trained Arta Betabiev, who was out there. Bivol and Betabiev faced off together in a nice way on the gala well. dinner night. That was yeah. amazing. I had a chat to Betabiev, saw Bivol. Um, again, I mean, it sounds like you're dropping names and having to pick them up during the show because you're dropping so many names. But um, Arslan Beck, for me, again, is another one in that similar highway to Martin Bacoli. I think he's five, ranked five already with the WBC. 
Um, I think he's on the way to a world. Imagine when Bacoli and Mahmoudov get in the ring together because they both oh, fight quite hard. Man, I know. That's, that's a war, that Mah is. Mahmoudov just lets his hands go. In spite of having a long amateur pedigree, and he's a very esteemed boxer, he just lets those big dukes fly. Very, very exciting prospects. You know, as you say this, I've always thought, like, who could put on a world boxing super series for the heavyweights? Who could afford it? The Saudis well, I know can I've afford said it. Before, the Saudis I've can said, afford it. I've said it before. You put you put three hundred million down, you have a super series. We've I, I I said this about a year and a half ago when they were having problems with all these getting all these fights going. A world boxing super series for I can remember saying on fight night once, Eddie, and trying to work out the eight you'd have. You could go as many as twelve if you wanted to. Um, it, it'd be staggering if they did it. But it, I think we might not see all of the guys that are currently there because they might be a little bit too old. You know, you know as well, and I think we saw this on the weekend, the broadcasters can almost sort of divvy it out as well. TNT worked together with ESPN and Dazona, the worldwide rights. So you can almost like between the broadcasters discuss, okay, who gets what? So it, it could happen. Like everyone was there together, finally working as one very quickly before we go. Um, Fabio Wardley beating David Adelaide. That, that was the 50-50 fight on the cards, at least. Anyway, Wardley, I mean, proved that he's a level above. I mean, they're talking about Joseph Parker potentially next for Wardley. That surprised me how well he looked against Adelaide. I thought that was going to be a bit of a war between those two. Yeah, it was a really, really good fight. I mean, it really had the entire audience on the edges of their seats. It was a kind of they were they were like two panthers in the ring together, weren't they? Um, moving against each other, and Adelaide had little periods of ascendancy. Then Wardley had them, and it was as we saw it. It was going to be a test to their boxing skills for the first couple of rounds, um, and then it was going to be who lasted longest with heavy heavy punches. I was pleased that Adelaide who I've seen a couple of times, just opposite me on the flight on the way home, mm. has kind of recovered mentally and knows he can come back from this. Yeah. But you have to say to Wardley, who was absolutely brilliant on the night, took his moment. I think I think um, David Adelaide would have liked to have had one more Hail Mary mm. um, with his right hand in that fight. But I think the referee did a good job because he was hurt at the time. Yeah, no, he certainly was. And as you say, Adelaide's sort of posting on socials as well. He's back in the gym. I messaged him and said, look, dude, why are you back in the gym? Go on holiday. He said, you know what, maybe yeah. I will. Maybe I will. So I think you'll be on holiday in the next couple of days. He made some good money for that undercard fight. Quick word on Moza Tama as well, who got the job done. Only 18 years of age. It's incredible looking up to him. He's a man already. He's not got his yeah. man strength yet, and he's trying to break Mike Tyson's record to become the youngest heavyweight of all time. He needs to get a move on. Not easy to do in today's boxing scene. All right, you're listening to Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Next up, we're going to talk a title defence for Joe Caldini this weekend. Good afternoon, you are listening to The Social on TalkSport 2. Andy Lodipo, uh, Gary Faye Davis. Did I say The Social? Find an extra, sorry. <laughs> Find an extra on TalkSport 2. Andy Lodipo, uh, the great Gary Faye Davis. Uh, Gary, before we talk about Joe Caldina, obviously he takes on uh, Velasquez, uh, Vasquez sorry, this weekend, defending his IBF uh, super featherweight strap. Uh, quick word on Amanda Serrano, uh, 12... Uh, 12 rounds, three minutes, uh, she ticked that box. Now, though, I think there's a bit of a problem now because she wants to fight all her fights like that and everyone's saying no. I mean, there's Sky Nicholson who wants to fight. She said, no, I want 10 twos. But I think there almost needs to be a middle ground. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. I think you said 12 twos, didn't you? Yeah. 
Well, I do. I think, you know, going up from 20 minutes to 24 minutes for women's championship boxing is probably, um, you know, it's probably a judicious move, first of all, rather than go from 20 to 36 minutes, which almost doubles the length of the fight. Mm. Um, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure there are many, many women capable of doing that, but let's do it gradually rather than suddenly jump to 36 minutes. But I do think all women's championship fights should go to 12 twos now. Um um, which you know, men fight 10 threes, don't they? And 10 yep. two, um, 10 threes, and then 12 threes for championship. So, yeah, I just think that's sensible. But you know, it's good that she's doing it. She's a groundbreaker, she's a pioneer, she's a pathfinder, and she's always going to push because she's one of those people with incredible life force. Um, and she wants to be the person that's remembered for changing it. Um, but I, I do think they should move slowly with it all. Yeah, I know, agreed. Um, and l let's see what happens because, I mean, one of the belts went up for grabs. That is a WBC belt who didn't want to sanction the fight because they're not very keen on the move yet as well. And I think 12 twos yeah. just seems to make sense. I don't know why you need to jump to 12 threes. Uh, Joe Caldino takes on Vasquez this weekend. Almost seems a bit of a downer now because of all the hype of what we saw last weekend. But it is a big fight for Joe. He's defending his IBF Super Featherweight title fight. The hope is, I guess, if he comes through this, it could be Lee Wood. Um, at the city ground, or it could be Oshaki Foster, who looked good in Cancun against Rocky Hernandez. What do you make of Joe Caldino? I feel like I feel like there's a real superstar there that just I don't, if, I don't know if it's that extra push or needs that superstar fight. I'm not quite sure what's missing, but there's something missing. I'm not quite sure what it is. Well, I mean, you're entitled to your view. I don't think there's anything missing at all. In it's terms of growing. being a superstar. Uh, well, no, I, I don't think there is anything missing. He just hasn't had that opportunity yet to grow. Mm. I mean, look. As long as he ignores the, the Ferraris, Lamborghinis, Bugattis and yachts and people with 150 grand in their pockets walking around in Monte Carlo this weekend, um, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, he is going to do a job on Edwin Vasquez, in my view. But he needs these big nights. Yeah. He, needs the, he needs the glamour nights. I think a fight between him and Lee Wood is a really good idea. I think it's a really good matchup of styles. He's a terrific boxer. I remember when we he was on the Olympic team and we always felt that he was one of the most skilled boxers we'd seen. I know that people in America think very highly of him as well, including Shakur Stevenson, who thinks he's the most or was the most talented uh, in that in that division. He's done very well to go down a weight, in my view, to Super Feather. Good shout, good um, shout, yes. Oh no, because he, he he was able to boil down to lightweight easily. Going to Super Feather, or, or what do they call it now? Um, junior Lightweight. Junior Lightweight, yeah. Junior Lightweight. Um, there could well be that fight with Shakur down the line. That's the glamour fight for him. That's the one, um, isn't it? That is the one. The one? Yeah. I, I, I've said it, I'll say it again. I've said it for about three weeks. Shakur Stevenson on his way to be number one pound for pound eventually. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, Gareth, as always, my man, appreciate it. Absolutely loved being around you in Saudi Arabia. It was fantastic. It really was. Hopefully we've got some more big fights coming that way very, very soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. 
it'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.